The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Well, we've got the big red R, I'm afraid, Norwich fans. Next to 20th place Norwich, they have been relegated with three games to go. Above them, Villa, who play tomorrow, Bournemouth, who play tomorrow. And then there is a six-point gap now to Watford and West Ham. So, really, Bournemouth and Villa have to win, really, at least three of their last four games, if not all four, to try and stay up at the expense of West Ham and Watford. Let's get to now our Hyundai player interview. The writing was on the wall, but it's now official. The Norwich captain, Alexander Tetty. Alex, we really appreciate you coming out to talk to us. I'm sure it's a horrendous feeling, even though it's been on the cards. Can you try and sum up the emotions? Oh, it's just very uh, hard for me to talk, but it's uh, that, that was that was a tough game for us. Um, I think we we came out trying trying to be positive, but. Again, when we when we don't do what we have to do on the pitch, you get punished, and then and I can't say all those four goals. It's it, it, we can't defend like that, uh, and when you do, even teams that are struggling will punish you, and that's the Premier League, and uh, that's that's what happened here today. Uh, we got punished for every every mistake, passing choice we made, not marking on corners. It's it's, it's tough. It's tough. How difficult is it mentally out there when you go into the game in that position, knowing that that defeat will lead to relegation? No, it's, it's very, very tough. I've been saying this, the, I don't know, the whole season that it's going to be tough, but to be in this position that we were and trying to get ourselves going and then when we get to games and we're trying to be positive and at the end you end up not being a, a positive uh, a game it's always tough to get yourself going mentally and, and, and that's that's what it's been the last couple of games to be fair. And that's now a, a record five relegations. You've been relegated twice, promoted twice as well in your time here. It feels like the, the club is the ultimate yo-yo club. Is that just the way it has to operate? As I've said before, this club has not been a club that buys uh, I don't know, well-established players for 40, 50 million pounds. That that's never happened before. And and if you have a group, a collective that you're trying to create and and talent in Premier League is always difficult. Yes, it's proven that you can do it, but you need to be consistent. And 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 we, we've not tried, we've not done that. We've we've been in games sometimes, but we haven't got that that mentality, that that character that can help us take points and win games enough. Uh, we haven't had bodies, 
people have been injured and it's been tough for the manager to 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 pick players uh, so in all it's been it's been a tough tough journey but it's a young group uh, their first season in premier league and and uh, yeah now now they they will get that experience with them and take them further Alex, thanks for coming out to talk to us. I know it's a difficult day. Thank you. The Norwich captain, Alex Tetty, there. We have dis discussed on many an occasion the whys and wherefores of how Norwich have found themselves in this position. But what now? What should their plan be? Because the yo-yo question was interesting. Perhaps that's part of the plan, to keep getting the money going down, get more money, parachute payments come up. Um, well, it's clear the plan will stay, don't spend money. Farka said that they're not going to do that, they're not going to spend their way back into the Premier League. Um, I remember a few, season, a few seasons back when Burnley were relegated, saying that um, relegated with the most moral victories and kept their manager and, you know, did the training ground, you know, updates and all those things. But there was a sense they'd come back up. There was a spirit about that group when they went down. Today was, was in embarrassing and I don't know how you rebuild that it was, it was like a playground game where they were the only player not picked and then asked to go shag the balls when everyone else missed I mean it was so it was such a defeatist attitude I just and their best players are going to get poached which is part of their financial strategy I just don't know how you rebuild this to come back up again what is the plan the plan is that they came up champ, uh, title winners of the championship They've gone down uh, already, Rebecca. It was an embarrassment. I, I thought was it, there was time the players were going through the motions there. And, and if they just think you go into the championship, you, you switch a flick, and now we'll start winning games and we'll come back up, that does not happen. Just look at the guy who, who won the game for West Ham today, Mikel Antonio. He's not the most skillful player in the world. He works hard. He puts everything in. He gets four goals. Norwich has not had one player all season who's got what he's got. A bit of heart, a bit of fight. Because you know what? The Premier League is tough. But if you give it a real good go, you can, you can hang in there. Norwich players and the manager never give themselves a hanging in there. From day one, they came into this league almost saying, well, if we get relegated, it's OK, because then we'll come back up. Does Farker deserve to stay? No, not for me, Rebecca. I, I, I've been saying from the start, if you go into a job where you're almost allowing failure from day one, if you go down, it's OK. And you know what? What's the motivation for him or his players? Based on what I've seen now, I think he's lost the players, and, okay. and that's a big thing to say. Watford, just like West Ham, were taking a giant leap towards safety. Early doors, they thought they'd score, Kyle. Danny Welbeck doesn't catch it cleanly, but the fact that he actually hits it and creates a difficult angle off of the post and off of Dubravka almost sends it over the line, but Lascelles just last minute toe pokes it out. I guess the watch is working again. Here's the goal. Here is the goal where, from a near post position here, just not on from Fernandez, and no one follows Gale, who reads it far post, and from there he's not going to miss. Second half, Watford back in it, penalty number one. Feminia does so well to just touch it around the first defender, and then he knows that there is contact coming and just gets a toe to this one to put it around Richie, and Richie collides and knocks knees with him, and Troy Deeney from the spot knocks the ball right down the center. Welbeck had another chance eight minutes later. Yeah, he scored a, a fabulous goal the game before, overhead kick, and just couldn't find his luck to go get them that go-ahead goal. Does so well to collect this ball and pivot, get his foot work right. A couple of deflections almost sees it go into the net. Penalty number two, ten minutes from time, leading to the winner. Mankio, he, he just he grabs Saar outside of the box. The grab continues in, and Saar's just so good to curl his run, shield the ball, and just invites it into his path. At this point, Mikio has to unlock from him, but even gets the legs tangled with Saar, and Troy Deeney decides to go right down the middle again for a massive three points.
It certainly is, and this is why, because West Ham and Watford now have a six-point gap above that drop zone. Now, late in the game at Anfield, should Liverpool have had a penalty? Here's Goodmanson on Robertson. The referee at the time said no. VAR didn't change his decision. Liverpool lose their winning streak at Anfield. It's a draw against Burnley. What does Jurgen Klopp make of it? Here he is. Jurgen, does that feel like a, a frustrating afternoon? Some missed opportunities, should we say? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we could have. I, I, I saw a really, really, really good game of my side with uh, for a long, long um, time during the game. But we left the door open for Burnley. We didn't close it. We should have scored two, three, four goals at least, and didn't do it. And then these these kind of situations against Burnley, you never can defend 100% um, because. The ref today let all these challenges anyway happen, and so that was then it was clear when the ball comes in the in the box, and um, then it's, uh, it's dangerous, and that's how they scored the goal. What what I have to say that Burnley did, but Burnley did really well. They stayed completely in the game. They were not bothered about um, conceding chances minute after minute, pretty much. They just did what they wanted to do. So all respect for that. But um, on the other hand, it's of course um, frustrating, clear. Um, because we we should have we should have scored much earlier, um, and yeah, that's it. Carl, your reaction to Jurgen Klopp there? He's frustrated, <laughs> and I, I get it. And I think frustrated with what he might admit is great goalkeeping, but he'll probably think with how good his attacking force is is bad. Uh, is bad attacking. I think there's definitely an argument that that ball's not touched and VAR could have helped them out. But at the end of the day, I think it's just he maybe those maybe those records mm. mean more to him than he lets on. They got Burnley today. Burnley <laughs> did what they did and, and they either win a game 1-0 or they've they drawn the last couple 1-1. And his team had the chances. Firmino hits post when should do better. Salah has a great chance at the end. And Nick Pope was in brilliant form. Yeah. So a little bit of credit to Burnley as well. You've got to say it's no shame in being Burnley'd, Robbie. Yeah, you've been Burnley. Many Many have. Many have, <laughs> and many more will. Kyle, from Sheffield United, how difficult has this season been navigated by Chris Wilder? I mean, it's been an incredible journey. What's he done so correctly? Well, I think that I'll use Fulham as, an, as, a, as a sort of juxtaposed to what happens when you try the ambition of doing something in the league below and how poorly it could go. And... Fulham spent a bunch of money on a new back line, almost with the exact players that got him here. Chris Wilder has continued with this amazing system that, that some of us had to sort of look closely to say, are we seeing overlapping center backs? And obviously that got them before the break into a great position. But, Rabio, one of the most impressive things is what he did to them where they couldn't find any spirit, anything in the restart, and got them to kind of reboot and back to their best. Proper manager, Rebecca. Absolutely. Attention to details, gets things right. This club have got a... A profile, a personality, you know what you're going to get, week in, week out, they turn up. In contrast to Chelsea, Frank will be worried there, really worried, because there's times when things aren't going well, you don't quite know what this team are going to give you. They don't know how to bunker in a little bit and, and, and keep things tight. And defensively at the moment, they are all over the place. They're two centre-backs and a full-back away from being a top-four team, and they've worked so hard to try and claw that third position down. All of a sudden, they could drop out the picture. It still looks like two from three, two yeah. from Leicester, Chelsea and Manchester United to join Liverpool and Man City. Mm. If you were a betting man, which two are the favourites right Manchester now? Manchester United is a juggernaut that's going one way. I still think Chelsea might nick it. I just worry, worry about Leicester, whether they'll have the energy. But that's a terrible result for, mm. for Frank and his team today. Well, here he is. 
Frank, a bitterly disappointing day for Chelsea. Where and how did that go wrong? They were better than us. So, um, better than us physically, better than us in the mind, better than us with the ball. So you lose the game. Mentally, were they better? They were stronger than us. I think you could feel that. And you know, we don't have a crowd at the minute, so you feel, you hear every voice. All I could hear was Sheffield United voices. Um, so they were stronger in that sense. And they're good players. They're a good team. We all know that this season. So if you if you come here and perform below par collectively as we did, it's going to happen. What were you looking to change at half time when you match them shape wise? Yeah, we matched them in this. That, that's not a, that's just obviously you have you respect the way they play, but um, we were too slow with the ball. We weren't even getting our, you know our wingers into the game, and our wingers have been fantastic in restart. We weren't getting them into the game, so we just tried to to get some more control of the game, which we did have after that, but we never looked overly threatening and they still had the counter-attack, so it, it definitely made us look more solid against their shape, but um, already at 2-0 down, you make it really difficult for yourself. Defensively, disappointing goals? Yeah, disappointing. Mistakes, mistakes. I've got to be careful to overanalyse this one because it's what you do. You, you analyse all season, review, look forward. Uh, at what we have to do now with that game is, is put that to bed because the only thing that matters now is that we fight for top four and um, that we're still in that race because of how we've been this season. Um, we have to put this game away very quickly, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot and I won't forget that. Might that not be possible because the next time you kick off, results go against you, you're outside the top four, yeah, which is the but, real damage from today. Yeah, but that's the reality of it. But that's, um, I'm, not, I'm not concerned so much about top four today and all I do is is sit and watch all the games that you show on TV and consider where we're at and what we want to do because of course I want to get there but today I'm concerned about how we performed and, uh, and I learned a lot about that. I don't, I'm not thinking right now we might be fifth, we might still be third or fourth or whatever, I'm not thinking that, we'll see, we'll see by the time those teams play and by the time we approach Norwich um, and we cannot approach Norwich or Manchester United or Liverpool and Wolves in the same vein as we did today. Raheem Sterling. Had to be, had to be back at two headers and in a time when Sergio Aguero is probably not going to play again this season, his goal threat is going to be so important to Manchester City. The first goal is the kind of goal we're used to seeing he bends it in. The header, diving header was something different, and this is even something different. Brave, <laughs> gets a nutmeg, comes off the post, goes in the back of the net, he gets a match ball. Ryan Sterling flying at the moment. I mean, they really are flying, mm. and they've had their blips, yes, but mm. when they're on song, they're really on song. With the FA Cup to come and the Champions League, how much are you in the camp of a possible treble right now? Uh, I'm definitely in the camp of a possible treble. I've, I've been there most of the season. It's, it's going to be very difficult to pull off. As good as the draw seems or, or as far in these competitions as they seem, don't forget what Manchester City have looked like, especially when it gets into the very, very difficult part of the Champions League. And even Pep's been reluctant to say they're capable of going to win the Champions League. Is it possible? I mean, absolutely. They look, they look the best they've looked in a long time right now. I think the difference being they've usually won a title, Rebecca. Not winning the title is going to hurt Pep Guardiola. We saw a shot of him just as he came out of half-time talking to the referee, demanding something, asking something. He demands of himself, he demands of his players, of his coaching staff, even the referees. I think he's going to set this up to push this team towards a treble. I think they'll go all out for that FA Cup and then he'll know with, if he can get it right on the day, with or without Aguero, they've got enough to go and win the, the Champions League. Taking injuries away for a second, do you think 
because he's making so many changes, but do you think he knows right now if he had an ideal 11 for both the FA Cup final, Champions League final, if they reach them both? Do you think he knows that 11? Well, they, they may be different because it depends on who they're playing. Right. I mean, he, he is that detailed and also form leading up to it. He, he would probably yeah. pick a different 11 for each final. But I think he knows his best 11 that he might have to put out in a Champions League final, Rebecca. I think that's what he's been working at. I think deep down he knows that. He might rotate things before, but if that big one's there for Manchester City, he'll yeah. go for it. Happy day, Wolves. Importantly, for their hopes of qualification, are back up into sixth spot. They're three points behind Manchester United now in fifth. Elsewhere around the table, you can see that it's really between... Chelsea, Leicester, Manchester United and Wolves will think they're in with a shout of a top four spot. Let's have a look at how the bottom four... Well, Everton are sitting in the 11th spot. Carlo Ancelotti does not do bottom halves of the table, but mm. that right now is where they find themselves. So this now... Wolves have so much to play for, but yeah. this now for Everton. Mm. Tell me about what their summer you think under Ancelotti is going to look like, Robbie. It's interesting you just said that Ancelotti doesn't do bottom halves. Big-time manager wants to be a big-time club. And, and Everton have the potential for to be a big-time club, Rebecca. But that will shock him. That will tell him there's a lot of work to do this summer. The, the Wolves back three and the goalkeeper could give their kit to the kit man and say, bring it to the next game because we didn't break a sweat today. Mm. That's how easy it was for Wolves to control Everton. It is a massive project, Everton, actually, isn't it? <laughs> well, they, I mean, they just took the day off. And is that OK with Carlo? I, I can't imagine it is OK. They took the day off. Absolutely nothing from Everton. Um, the easiest game of the season for Wolves. Wolves rotated their forwards. Daniel Pudence was brilliant. Gets the penalty, was, was a handful. Jota comes on, gets the goal. Uh, Pedro Neto has, has come on and done well for Wolves. They have got such great recruitment now, rotation of forward players. Uh, the guys at the back today, as you said, absolutely an easy day. And Wolves great. Everton, as bad as I've seen them for, for a long time. Tottenham win the North London derby at Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium. Robbie Musto, both you mm. and Robbie Earl at halftime felt mm. if there was going to be a winner, you thought it would be Spurs. Do they yeah. deserve that today? Yeah, just about. I mean, I think it's a pretty even game. You look at the attacking players on both teams, they're good. Mm. They've got good attackers on both sides. The difference is defensively. Mm. And Spurs were a better defensive team than Arsenal were today. Arsenal gave Spurs a first goal with a bad ball from Kolasinac, and they didn't defend a pretty routine corner set piece where Alderweireld scores a winning goal. So that's where I saw the differences was, and that was from the first minute. Arsenal made mistakes trying to play out, trying to be a bit expansive, and with Mustafi, I mean, Spurs could have got more goals given some of the challenges that he tried to make in that second half. Well, it's a positive thing if Spurs are a better defensive team than Arsenal because yeah. we've sat here for the last few weeks and mm -hmm. talked about Spurs at the back looking really poor under Mourinho. Yeah, I think why you go for something like Spurs and why you say at half-time is you kind of know what you're going to get from a Jose team and how they're going to play the game. With Arsenal, the worry for Mikel Arteta is there's some good work being done there. There's some good players at that football club. But it's all undermined by poor defending. Mustafi, Kalasinac and Luis are not good enough for Becker. That's the bomb. They are not good enough if you want to be top four or, or top six. Rob you... Holding on the bench, is he good enough? No. You, you need to go and the get entire to... The back line. Uh, you need centre-backs. You go and need to buy centre-backs in the summer to give you a chance so that the Sackers and the Enketias and all those young players, the Bayes, can, can go on. Three new centre-backs, you think they need to? Yeah, I mean, Socrates on the bench as well. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Rob, Rob, Rob Holding in the team than Mustafi. Alderweireld's second goal in his last 78 Premier League appearances is enough to put Tottenham back into eighth spot, pushing Arsenal down 
to ninth. That is how the top half of the table looks. Let's take you back then to North London, back to Arlo White, to Anne Lee Dixon. It's not a top of the table clash, but it's a kind of top of mid-table clash. Mm. little mini competition mm. going on between Tottenham and Arsenal. Arlo? Yeah, and it's an advantage Tottenham. Um, Lee, Jose Mourinho said in the build-up that being the champion of North London means nothing to him. He looked pretty happy at the end. How, in the end, did Tottenham come away with the victory? Well, I think that's the hard thing to work out. I mean, Tottenham didn't do an awful lot um, to create. They created chances, but it was mainly... The boys in the studio absolutely hit the nail on the head. You know, Tottenham, we know kind of how they're going to play under Jose in that second half, exactly what we what we expected, but... And we expected defensive mistakes from mm. Arsenal. Although they've been defensively better under Arteta, ultimately the players they've got back there and Robbie Hill's spot on, the three centre-backs are not good enough. And if you expose yourself... All three. All three are not good enough in my book to, to play in a system where they're better in a three and yet we still have mistakes where they lose. How they've lost that game, I don't know. At half-time, it wasn't in any mm. danger of them losing the game. But all of a sudden, they've then gone and lost the game with defensive errors. Uh, sloppy from minute one. Their passing was sloppy. And you kind of got the feeling that, that something was going to happen. And Tottenham come out that game, got all three points. And, and there was some good performances from them. But it was just a disappointing performance from Tottenham, uh, from Arsenal defensively. Mm. Created a few chances. The forwards have got no chance if you defend like that at the back. Well, we'll be back from the Emirates for the Arsenal against Liverpool game yeah. on Wednesday night, Rebecca. And Lee, unfortunately, out of defiance, <laughs> bought his uh, Arsenal water bottle and that's been placed back <laughs> in his bag. He is such a rebel, Lee Dixon. From no shots on target against Bournemouth last time out to three points against their fiercest rivals. Let's hear from the Tottenham manager, Jose Mourinho. Jose, congratulations. You. Your first North London derby and victory. How did you achieve it? I think the game was was close. Um, I think it was over that hit the post. Uh, we had also a, a fantastic shot from Ben on the post. A couple of chances. I think the game was more tactical than than other thing. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, Mikel found a way for them to play and to be stable and to improve. They are improving. Um, and we felt that we should uh, adapt slightly to them. And I think we did it uh, very well because how many times uh, Tierney and, and Bellerin, they reach normally uh, the last third and how well they were controlled uh, today. I think we were very dominant at, at that level. And even in the first period of the second half where they had more of the ball and they were more in our half, we were quite, uh, quite comfortable in that situation. I think also the two midfielders, they did a, they did a great job. Um, and then we found our chances and uh, great spirit, really, really hot. I think during the game nobody thought about it, uh, even myself, I didn't. But um, Arsenal had 48 hours more than, uh, than us uh, to rest. So it was hard, but I think come from their hearts, this, this effort, this battle, and even the last uh, minutes of the game after 2-1, zero problems, uh, everything under, under control. So we are happy. We are happy because we made the fans happy. We are happy because we are still in the fight to, 
to an Europa League um, a position. Uh, I know that um, that Chelsea, Liverpool, <laughs> um, they didn't help us at all. Uh, but this is about us. Uh, we, we we must do the points. And we lost some important points, but now nine to fight for. Happy Jose is a Jose that we like. One thing that might be of concern to mm. him, you noticed Harry Kane during the game looking yeah. increasingly frustrated at a lack of chances and a mm. lack of clinical finishing from his part and others. Just the, the body language at times, Rebecca, and, and maybe not getting as many clear-cut looks at goal as, as we've seen. And, and it was interesting in Jose's interview there, he talked about controlling the game, stopping Tierney and Bellerin, you know, not allowing Arsenal to have shots. That's his mantra. That's not necessarily always going to fit into maybe how Harry Kane wants to be at his best under Pochettino, where maybe more chances are coming across the box. So that's something that maybe needs to be worked out, but he was, he was very happy to get those three points. Are you concerned about Kane? I think um, he needs to, to sharpen up a little bit. I mean, body language, whatever, he's not looking as sharp yet, and that's understandable. He's had, what, nearly six months mm. out before the restart. Mm. So I get that there might be a little bit less free-flowing attacking football with Spurs right now, mm. but he's still up there, and he still could have done a bit better today with some of the opportunities. So, yeah, maybe just a little bit down with the way he's feeling, not as sharp as we normally see him. But I don't think it's like, well, I'm, I'm fed up the way that we're playing. Mm. He's got to try and get himself back to his best. OK, let's hear from the Arsenal manager who's just started talking, Mikel Arteta. Mikel, obviously not what you were looking for. What did you make of today? Yeah, we are really, really sad. We wanted to give our fans a moment of glory and, and happiness. We try our best. I am really, really proud of the players. To play the way we played in this round, I've never seen them before, dominated the opponent and nullified them as much as I've seen today. But we give, we give them a goal again and we concede a set piece and at that level, you cannot do it. Is it even more disappointing when you dominated, particularly in the second half? Absolutely, because the game was ours and after the first goal the game was ours, we had total control, we didn't generate anything. Every time we pressed the ball, they could not come out, regain the ball after the ball. It's difficult to attack a low block like this all the time, but we generated enough chances. But again, the small details cost us, and that's a, one of the biggest parts that we have to improve as a team. Raphael, I'm struggling to work out what's the bigger story, the implosion of Leicester City today, mm -hmm. and arguably their season, yeah. or the bizarre second-half performance, bizarrely the good second-half second performance half from half Bournemouth. The bizarre second-half Listen, we've played in this league, we've worked in this league, we, should, we shouldn't be surprised. You play Spurs, you play Leicester, you get four points. They've got Man City next, well, bring them on. I mean, this was a team <laughs> who couldn't score, who couldn't keep clean sheets, who looked like they were, they were out of this game at, at half-time. And somehow, poor kick from Smichael gives them a bit of belief. And, and there were scenes at the end, Aaron Ramsdale, the goalkeeper, was almost like he couldn't believe yeah. it. And I tell you what, that changes. That changes your dressing room. That makes you believe that you've got a chance. That one moment from Schmeichel, that one mistake, I mean, is confidence really that fickle, that fragile, if you like, that you can go from none to loads <laughs> in, in the space of a minute? Because that's what it looked like, Yeah, Robbie. I mean, you, you said the first question to Robbie Earl there, what's the biggest story? It's still Leicester City's collapse, Rebecca. You know, a mistake from Schmeichel starts it all off, but it doesn't mm. have to get worse. Shuyinchu, a player that I have loved this season, his lash out in the back of the net to put, take his team down to ten men and to put himself out of massive games the last three games is a mind mess up moment and which could affect them and and it's not a strong statement enough to say that there those things like three minutes could cost them Champions League football next season.
20 minutes into the second half of Vitality Stadium, Kasper Schmeichel's mistake led to a penalty for Bournemouth, which made it 1-1 and then sparked an incredible Bournemouth turnaround to win 4-1. Let's hear from both managers, but first, Kasper Schmeichel. Still wondering how on earth this game got away from Leicester tonight? No, it got away from us. I mean, it starts with myself. Um, you know, a mistake on the goal kick and then... Uh, you know, I have to take responsibility, be accountable for that, and that changes the game completely. Um, game of margins, uh, second goal, it's one of those, it hits me on, on the underside of the knee. On another day, that goes a different direction. They get a bit of luck on the, on the, on the third goal, but it, it's obviously it's not good enough from us. And, and you know, it's, um, it's a good wake-up call for us, and, uh, and hopefully it, it, it's there in time. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, we're accountable for it. I'm, I'm very, very sorry f to, to our fans for, for that second half particularly. And uh, like I say, it, it starts with me uh, on, the, on the goal kick because that changes the game. This was an opportunity for Leicester, mm. clearly, tonight. How do you see this result, most importantly, in the context of what you're trying to achieve now over these last this critical stage now? No, I, I, th I think it, it's a great learning game for me and, and looking at the team because I think that everyone's classifying as, as being up there and we have we've, we've shown great talent to be there but we've still still got so much to, to do you know and in terms of being up there consistently and showing a showing a game that uh, allows you to see the likes of that there through because that's it was a big opportunity you know the doors wide open to jump up into third place um, so to to have that level of performance second half shows that We've got a lot of work to do. So. You made changes at half-time, but more critically, what was your message to the players? What did you try to change within their mindset that just wasn't there in the first half? Well, we had tactical issues during the first half as well, and I think um, Leicester's shape gave us a problem. So we, we tried to, to solve that. But the main, the main change for me was not, not tactical, it was mental, as you say, and it was, it was almost the situation was as bleak as it could be. Uh, we had to go out and just find something, play with absolutely no fear go for the game and uh, show a different mentality we did that in our in our play right from the off and it vastly improved our performance to have won this in the way you've won it what impact do you believe this will have on your squad of players now going into the last three games well yeah hopefully it just takes the any negativity away um there's only one thing that breeds confidence i, I believe and obviously hard work and, and the work you do in the training you have to win and winning is the only thing that really transforms you to another level. And I thought you saw that in our second half performance because once we were ahead um, and we got a couple of goals behind us, our, our performance vastly improved. Three big games left. What chance do you feel here and now that you've given yourselves? Well, we're in there. Um, it's still going to be difficult, um, but we're in there fighting and we will continue to fight right to the end. Um, I've always believed the players are good enough to get the results we need. Uh, probably for the first time tonight in a long time we've had a bit of luck to go with a lot of work um, that went into the match and uh, yeah hopefully that just can give us the lift we need for the remaining three games. You saw him clearly frustrated earlier in the game and now that frustration transfers over to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, tasting a, a draw that probably feels like a defeat for Manchester United when you consider all that was on the line they had a chance for the first time since September to move into the top four in fact all the way up to third over Chelsea but just get the one point so now they're still fifth on goal difference you see three goals behind Leicester City in that category Kyle Martino Ahmed Farid Robbie Musto so Kyle how does this change how we see uh, this game how does this change how we see Manchester United and Southampton you know it doesn't change the way 
way I feel about either of these sides. I, I think um, it's really disappointing for Manchester United. And the only, it's not an excuse, thing that I look at, and we said it before the game, is five games in a row with how quickly they've come without changing the side. You just watch the energy gone. And, and, and that welcomed Southampton, who were playing the same team two games in a row, but definitely haven't relied on their players as much as Manchester United have. And, Robbie, what they fell into was, was almost this timidity and then obviously went down a man, which is unfortunate because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had one more sub, but he'd used his three transactions, his three win windows, mm -hmm. so he couldn't use another one. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of trying to see the game out in a way we haven't seen from them recently. They sat back and said, can we, can we just defend our way out of this thing? Great save from De Gea, but credit to Southampton. They kept pushing to go chase this game. And, and the reporter was very prescient before the game said, every time Chelsea opens up the the door for you, you guys, you, you don't, you don't mm. perform in those moments. I, I wonder if there's a little bit of complacency. And I, and I get your point. These players should be able to play five games on a spin, Kyle. I, you know, I know it's midweek, weekend. I mean, Wolves have played 50 games. I mean, players, sh I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't accept that as an excuse if I was a manager that these players felt tired. I'd say it's more about complacency. I'd say it's more about this should be another three points. We're on fire. We're playing great. I thought we saw it from the first few minutes of Pogba being a little bit, and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to pick on poor Pogba because he's done great. A few mistakes, a few giveaways, you know, Southampton surprised them with their start, and it was an off day for Man United. And I'm making my notes here, and I'm like, you know what, it's not a bad sign. You have an off day, mm. you still get the three points. They defended pretty well until that last moment. And you make a good point, Carl. you know, without the substitution, maybe an extra guy back there would have helped. But let's face the facts, that wasn't a good United performance. They have been brilliant but they can't assume it's just going to work. It wasn't a Greenwood day. It wasn't a Bruno Fernandes day. It wasn't a Paul Pogba day. It was a Martial day. He stepped up, created one and scored another. But, to, you know, it, they've been magnificent. It's just it's not going to come automatically. And Southampton, absolutely full marks. I'm taking nothing away from them. They played great from the first minute to the last minute and des deserve to get something out of the I day. think the only thing for Manchester United, you know, positive is... They do have a nice little goal differential advantage over Chelsea, where yeah. it doesn't feel as far away as it looks right now. But chance to go third. Yeah, they just, just they should learn that. from that. They should yeah. learn from that, Carl, shouldn't they? Going forward now. Still not a defeat for them, but it'll be interesting to see how they react from what is a really disappointing result for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. A late goal from Southampton. That is Obafemi, and he is talking right now. It is our Hyundai Player interview. Well, Michael, the manager, didn't give you long, did he? Sent on in the 87th minute, but you certainly delivered for him. Yeah, I mean, um, told me what to do. Um, Dave as well, the set-piece set piece, set piece specialist, um, told me to get in the back post. I got there, and thankfully I got the goal, so yeah. So the instruction was stand near the goal line and kick it in the goal, Michael? <laughs> Pretty much, and I mean, it's, it's what I'm here to do, is to score goals, and thankfully I got the equaliser today, so yeah. I mean, sadly, it's not full, but to score at Old Trafford, how good's the feeling? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Um, I was supposed to play under-18s um, in the Youth Cup, but sadly I missed it. But I think this is a even better occasion to, to score on, so yeah. How good a team performance was it, Michael? Yeah, I think it was, it was amazing. Um, the boys dug deep. Um, obviously, one, we weren't 1-0 one up. Um, and we done well to come, come back in the game, so yeah. And you had 52% of the ball, and that shows a level of confidence, doesn't it? And, and how well you've done over a sustained period, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, picked up amazing results. Um, since the restart, um, and yeah, we've looked to finish the season strong, so yeah. Did you come here with a lot of belief? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to any game thinking that we can get three points. Um, like, um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, yeah. And you like a big goal, just remembering one at Chelsea, I think, as well? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a little special one for myself. First one of the season um, for me, but 
yeah. So in the starting lineup next game? Oh, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see on that one. But um, yeah, I'm just thankful that I could get the equaliser. Well done, mate. Well Thank played. You. Cheers. So plenty more on this game coming up, including reaction. But the headline news from off the pitch today came this morning. Manchester City and their supporters pleased to find out that the Court of Arbitration for Sport lifted the club's ban from UEFA competitions, which would have kept them out of the Champions League for the next two seasons. Cass also reduced Man City's fine from over $32 million to just over $11 million. The decision, massive news for City and for the rest of the Premier League. So part of the statement from Cass read, quote, the Cass Award emphasized that most of the alleged breaches reported by the adjudicatory chamber of the UEFA Club Financial Control Body, or CFCB, were either not established or time-barred, as the charges with respect to any dishonest concealment of equity funding were clearly more significant violations than obstructing the CFCB's investigations. It was not appropriate to impose a ban on participating in UEFA's club competitions for Man City's failure to cooperate with the CFCB's investigation alone. However... Considering the financial resources of Manchester City, the importance of the cooperation of clubs in investigations conducted by the CFCB because of its limited investigative means and Man City's disregard of such principle and its obstruction of the investigations, the CAS panel found that a significant fine should be imposed on Man City and considered it appropriate to reduce UEFA's initial fine by two-thirds, i.e., the amount of 10 million euros or just over 11 million dollars. The final award with reasons will be published on the CAS website in a few days, end quote. So Man City had this to say, quote, whilst Manchester City and its legal advisors are yet to review the full ruling by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, the club welcomes the implications of today's ruling as a validation of the club's position and the body of evidence that it was able to present. The club wishes to thank the panel members for their diligence and the due process that they administered. So UEFA, they also responded, saying, quote, UEFA takes note of the decision taken by the Court of Arbitration for Sport to reduce the sanction imposed on Manchester City by UEFA's independent club financial control body for alleged breaches of the UEFA club licensing and fair play regulations. UEFA notes that the CAS panel found that there were insufficient conclusive evidence to uphold all of the CFCB's conclusions in this specific case and that many of the alleged breaches were time-barred due to the five-year time period foreseen in the UEFA regulations. Now, over the last few years, financial fair play has played a significant role in protecting clubs and helping them become financially sustainable, and UEFA and the European Club Association remain committed to its principles. UEFA will be making no further comments on this matter, end quote. So in our pregame show, I did speak with Sky Sports News Chief Reporter Brian Swanson, who was in his West London home, and asked him about today's decision. Emma, this is highly significant. Manchester City have won 23 games in the Premier League so far this season. We know they're going to finish runners-up, but this is by far their biggest victory yet. They felt extremely aggrieved when they were banned by UEFA for two years. They took their fight to the highest court in sports, and they won. Today, saying that they did welcome that ruling by the three judges. They always believed that they had done nothing wrong. It ultimately comes down to four words in a statement that is full of legal speak. Those four words being not established and time barred. Quite simply, those judges were unable to find any evidence of wrongdoing. 
you know, yeah, City will feel that they feel entirely vindicated here, saying that this is a validation uh, for them and their cause. But questions will be asked about UEFA and the processes that they used. When you look at time barred, it means that for any offences that allegedly occurred longer than five years ago, under UEFA's own rules and regulations, they couldn't be looked at. So questions will be asked about why did UEFA pursue this? Why did they continue to try and fight this? Why did they think that they could win when on the face of it, it would appear they were going against their own regulations? Clearly so much more is at stake here. This will be used in any future cases, any other big clubs that face similar cases by UEFA, this ruling will be used against them in the hope that they too will also win. Questions as well regarding the ongoing investigation by the Premier League. The Premier League haven't said anything about this ruling. They announced in March last year that they were looking at Manchester City and what was happening with them financially, but they have been prepared to sit back and wait for this Court of Arbitration for Sport ruling. So we're now waiting to find out what happens and what is the next stage. And what about financial fair play? Huge question marks now over where this leaves UEFA's FFP policy. I spoke to Alexander Sheffrin, the UEFA president in March over in Amsterdam, and he acknowledged that, yes, mistakes had probably been made. He said that they need to improve, they need to adapt, they need to modernise financial fair play. He believes that it has been a success, but clearly there will be many now that believe it needs to change and change needs to happen sooner rather than later. Just finally, Ahmed, one key point here. We still don't know the full details. CAS have only issued a very brief statement. They've promised to issue their further details in the coming days. And that's when we will know a lot more and we will be able to answer far more questions about this hugely significant court case. We're going to hear from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer from Manchester United. But first, Harry Maguire. Well, Harry, it is a draw, but my guess is it feels worse than that. Yeah, we're, we're disappointed. Um, we got control of the game. Uh, we had numerous chances to kill the game off. We wasn't our best. Uh, we're not saying that. We There's loads of areas we need to improve on. Um, but we did enough to win the game and the set players has killed us in the end. Did they really test you, particularly in the first 20 minutes, Southampton? Well, they're a team that's got... Um, no pressure on them. Coming to Old Trafford, no fans. Um, obviously playing for pride in the league, but can't get relegated or can't can't reach Europe. So we knew they were going to press. They they pressed like mad. They jumped like mad, and we didn't handle it well enough in the first 20 minutes. We gave them a soft goal. Um, we got ourselves back into the game, back where we want to be. Um, and then the second half was a bit of a bit of a slog, and we wasn't good on we wasn't good enough on the ball. We gave the ball away far too much. Um, as a team, everyone in the team. We brought a little bit of pressure onto ourselves, but we felt like we did enough to win the game in the end. We created chances. We, we should kill the game off with, with a third goal. And obviously going down to, to ten men is, is unfortunate, and hopefully Brandon's OK. I haven't seen him yet. You said at the end it was a set play that killed you. Have you picked the bones out of that yet? What went wrong? No, I haven't looked at it, but... We've been really good on them lately. Um, defending set plays is something that we've improved on so much during this, this unbeaten run. Um, at the start of the season, we had a terrible record, um, conceding set play after set play. And we've been really good on them lately. And um, the guy can't get an header in, in at our front post when we've got four men around it. So I don't know, we have, we'll, we'll look at it and um, we'll learn from it. Does it feel like a missed opportunity up until those last few seconds you were third in the league? 
Yeah, of course. Uh, we're playing Old Trafford. We want to win every game we play for Manchester United. So we go for three points. We didn't get three. Um, we're disappointed at the moment, but we know we've got to dust ourselves down tomorrow. Um, we've got some big games coming up where we've got to go and get a three points. Ollie, I uh, imagine the feeling at the moment is quite a painful one. How tough is that to take? Well, that's uh, it's it's the worst uh, time to concede a goal. But then that happens in football. You've just got to be strong and take it because we've won so many games that way ourselves and it's all part of the, the learning for this team to be sat there really disappointed uh, after you think you've uh, you've got the three points in the bag but um, probably we didn't deserve three points today why didn't you deserve them because Southampton are a good team and they uh, they deserved to get something from the game they played well uh, they're a physical, very, very uh, fit side. They run, run, they chase. They uh, so we never got the rhythm in our passing today. Uh, especially after we got two-one, uh, you can you can play better. But we create some chances, some fantastic football at times. You know, Anthony uh, has got two two massive chances that he creates for himself, and um, the two goals are. Uh, very, very good. Some tiredness out there. It was after all the same team for a fifth game in a row. No, I don't think that's uh, that's the case. We uh, we've had enough recovery. It was just uh, one of these days that we didn't take our chances. They they took theirs uh, at the end. So David had one one really good save. Mm. Apart from that, we we created the biggest chances. So we uh, we could have had uh, the three points. But then again, you're not going to be given three points, you're going to play against teams that uh, will show what they can do, and uh, Southampton are a good side, as I said. Well, there's been obviously a lot of VAR controversy of late. Should you have been playing against ten men for a challenge by Oriol Romeo on Mason Greenwood? Well, Just close to half-time. I know my ankle wouldn't take that challenge as, uh, as a nice one. Uh, it was a nasty one, So, but we've said enough about VAR. OK, you did end up with ten men. How's Brandon Williams? Well, he's got a cut above his eye, so uh, we'll just have to... I've not been, been to see him yet, so uh, he, he was with the medical staff. That's a crucial moment of bad luck, though, isn't it, Oli? Playing the last yeah. few minutes when you concede without a man. Yeah, but th that's, uh, that's how it is. Uh, we defended, defended well until that, uh, that corner. Um, it's all, always disappointing to get that uh, in the 96th minute or whatever it was. But that's football. Uh, I know the feeling the other way as well. I've just said the same thing to Harry Maguire, but does it feel like a big missed opportunity? There you were, sitting third, just needing to head out, head out a corner, and it doesn't happen. <laughs> but that's football. Any, at, there's key moments, key moments in every game of football, and uh, that was a key moment. So we didn't take it. There's, there's other key moments that didn't go for us, but uh, we'll take it. We'll uh, we'll move to Thursday and. Go down to uh, Sellers Park. That's football, says Ole. And here's the football that's left for the teams that are trying to jockey for position into the top four. You take a look at the three remaining fixtures for Chelsea, Leicester City, and Manchester United. Appears on paper the easiest road is for Man United. That last match, Leicester City versus Man United, that is one to circle on your calendar. Uh, Kyle and Robbie. So uh, here's the, the thing. For Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's gone with the same starting lineup, five games in a row.
possibly a red flag that he doesn't believe in the depth and it kind of hurt him at the end of this match? No, I don't think so. Again, I said before, I, I don't think that will be an excuse. And to be fair, he didn't say it was an excuse. Players can play midweek to weekend, midweek to weekend for, for, for many weeks, actually. Maybe there's a little touch of sharpness. It was more about mentality. And Man United need to learn from that because when things are going well and we give them all the praise and they look a million dollars, there's been a lot of excitement about this team and rightly so. They've got five players that can do something special. But the days when they don't and the days when the passing, as the manager said, isn't quite as slick as normal, they've got to, they've got to build a mentality and a, and a stronger mindset of either finding a way to control the game through their football again or... OK, we're not doing great. Let's make sure we don't concede. You know, set pieces are set pieces. Sometimes, you know, they catch you out. Um, but it's, it's a learning experience. And the manager will see what he and the team are made of now with a little setback. Mm. Thursday, down in, in South London, Crystal Palace away. No fans, but still travel and a difficult game. They need to react and show everybody, their fans, that they're more than just a silky, glossy team. They can fight as well. What do you think, Kyle? I, I disagree, not, not on the day. It's not an excuse, the fitness, and Ole didn't, didn't make an excuse. I do think there is a lack of depth issue. I'm so excited about Manchester United. What he's been putting out there is excellent. And I do think, and McTominay's an interesting one. McTominay signed a new deal. was supposed to be this big piece. I mean, he's almost not even the first off the bench to Fred. And I, I, cir I circled the, the bench today. You know, Juan Mata, Eric Bailly, uh, Pereira, even Daniel James, who's fallen off a, a little bit. Ogallo doesn't score off the bench. You know, I guess Liverpool debunks the you-need-a-deep-bench theory after what they did th this season. But Chelsea, you know, they got Ziyech and, and, and Werner in, in the waiting. And, and there's battle for Tammy and, and Giroud are battling up front. You know, I just, I wonder, I'm so excited about what we're seeing with Manchester United. Today's a little bit of a blip. But even in the FA Cup, where they put out a different team against Norwich, the, the level dropped a little bit. I wonder if in his head a little bit, he's thinking, we do have to kind of get a bit stronger in the offseason if we want to be in a title race. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still believe that this team and the, even Igalo and Dan James, I, I get, it's not a superstar bench, but still with that starting eleven against Southampton that are mid-table, yeah. nothing really to play for. They, they should take control of that game and win it. You don't have to wait long for more Premier League action. Tomorrow, Chelsea look to move past their 3-0 loss at Sheffield United on Saturday when they host recently relegated Norwich City. Coverage starts to Eastern right here on NBCSN. Then on Wednesday, we're going to celebrate the launch of Peacock. That is NBC Universal's all-new streaming service. Our Premier League coverage will be streamed entirely on Peacock for free. Yeah, entirely. Got six hours of coverage, including Liverpool at Arsenal, and all six hours exclusively found on streaming no commercial interruption all for free so no premier league on nbcsn this day instead we can be found on peacock you can learn more at peacocktv.com we're back on nbcsn on tv on thursday coverage starts at noon ahead of a huge game with european implications as leicester hosts sheffield united manchester united back in action at crystal palace 315 eastern and then on friday a massive game near the bottom a relegation six-pointer between west ham and watford coverage there starts at two the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.